0: Almighty God, may we hear your voice. May we hear what you have to say through this story of Samuel and Eli. God, may you open our hearts to hear your gospel. Help me, that despite me, that your people hear your word. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want you to think about a time. Let's let's close our eyes. Let's let's try this. We're gonna close our eyes this morning. And you're gonna think of a time where God spoke to you, where you heard his voice very clear. Where were you? What did you see? What did you smell? What did you taste? Can you recall that moment where God was clear to you? Now let's open our eyes. Now I hope for all of us at some point in our life, you heard the very voice of God speak into your life. Now for me, that's come in multiple times. I mean, it's kind of the calling, right? To hear the voice of the Lord. Has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with even where I'm at. It has to do with my deep connection with God. So think about that moment. Because today, we're going to talk about young Samuel, who, like me, in the middle of the night, God woke him up out of a sleep. Now, how annoying is that, right? You're sound asleep in your bed, and the Lord wakes you up. And speaks to you. And he not only does that one time, he does that three times. And says, brother, sister, thus and so. And we know it for Samuel. Trying not to jump ahead of myself. Samuel was told some pretty disturbing news. He was told that Eli, the one bringing him up into the ministry, his family had been blaspheming, right? And that there would be some accountability for that blaspheming. So, again, where have you heard the voice of the Lord? Now, Samuel, we know, was about 12 years old. 12 years old. Now, notice how the good Lord tends not to use old guys and old guys, Right? When he has a message to come across, he goes to the young. Now, I'm not saying that older people are not used by God, and certainly we can go back and look at Abraham and, and all. God uses everybody, but God uses children very clearly. God uses a 12 year old boy. And we know that Jesus Christ himself was the first youth pastor that ever existed. He had a group of teenage boys that he was mentoring into the faith, mentoring into ministry and discipleship. But in this case, Jesus or God speaks to young Samuel. Now, my struggle here is that the church as a whole, sometimes the youth feel silent. The youth feel like their voice doesn't matter, right? Um I was really blessed that on our call committee for this church, for me to come here, there was an 18 year old on the call committee. That's a youth. That's someone young that, that spoke into the needs and desires for this church. How incredible. I, I know growing up, when my home pastor started inviting me to sit on council meetings, right, and committees just to be able to be there and to be a voice. And oftentimes, he would call on me to give my my opinion because he empowered me to do so. Sometimes it's about empowerment. And so in this scripture this morning, Eli gives the training and the empowerment to young Samuel. We as a church body, have to empower the voice of the youth, the voice of the people that has vision for our future. It's the way. And, and it's one of the reasons why I, I've been sticking to this vision of faith, family, and future. Faith, family, and future. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first of all, let's go to our first point, Chuck, for me. We'll have the clicker. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's God's vision and God's mission. Is Missio Day. Now, you guys have heard me say Missio Day. Missio Day. What is that? What in the world? So, I spent like two semesters at Wesley Seminary in Indiana, and I took a class called the Missional Church. And this is the one concept that stuck in my head from that class that it's God's mission. The mission of the church is God's. So we learn that teaching the children, teaching young Samuel to hear the voice of the Lord was critical. It's raising up our kids, like my son. Raising him up to know what it is to pray to God, to hear the voice of the Lord. And responding to that voice, no matter how crazy it may seem. So many times, I I remember sitting there with Amanda. God telling us something clear as day. And us looking at each other crying saying, what in the crazy nonsense is this? I remember crying, sitting at... uh, Carlson Methodist Church crying among this beautiful stained glass windows of what God was calling us to do. And it never makes sense to me. But God has a plan. He does. Let me tell you about it. He's got a plan. I never knew how God would use my first call and the experience that I went through until I arrived in Dundalk, Maryland. God is incredible. So, of course, you know, as a pastor, one of the things we do in preparation for preaching, you know, I don't just get up here unprepared. I've got to do some study. And I wish I had some more time to study. But as I was reflecting on this passage from Samuel, there was a parallel verse that all of my commentaries pointed to. So, well, this must be important. All the commentaries are saying it. So let's look at it. It's a proverb. I love Proverbs. You guys love Proverbs? It tells you how to live your life. It tells you how to be happy. It tells us in Proverbs 29, 18 this. When there's no vision, the people get out of control. But whoever obeys instruction is happy. And where are we going with this? We as the body of Christ have to have a vision and mission for our congregation. And now, hear this. It is not about what Pastor Blue sees as the vision and mission of the church. It's not about what you all see as the vision and mission of the church. It's what God sees as our vision and mission. And how we live that out. Because it tells us, right, when there's no vision, the people get out of control. We go crazy. Because everyone is working in their own direction and there's a hundred people with a hundred different ideas and how we're going to accomplish this. But we have to be running the same direction. We as the church have to set the example because we see how Washington, D.C. works, right? When you've got political parties on one side or the next, when people all, you know, they make deals to make things happen and then nobody's happy, they make compromises, there is no compromise in the body of Christ. Our authority, our identity, comes from Christ and Christ alone, Him and Him crucified. So if that is our goal: to spread the love of Jesus Christ. Then we have to have a common vision for our church. So you guys know who Eugene Peterson is, Christian author. Okay, we got to get you guys reading Eugene Peterson. So he's a good guy. He said this The vocation of pastor has been replaced by strategies of religious entrepreneurs with business plans. So let me share. This is why I'm sharing this. That is not my call. My call is not to be an entrepreneur and a businessman. No. Do we need to strategize? Yes. But we need to have a reason why we do things. For example, I hope when y'all purchased this house next door, that there was a vision behind it. That one day we're going to do X, Y, Z with this house. When y'all brought me up here, there had to be a vision. When anything you have done, there should be a vision, a long-term plan of where God is taking the people. So it's in the little things we do, the little talks that we have. So this week, I got a text message that asked why on the church calendar, when I sent it out to the council, I sent an invite. And on the invite, it said the Dundalk campus, the Dundalk campus. Now, when I set up Google, I didn't think anything about it. We just got to name the church something. So when we send out invites, they know where to go. But there was kind of an underlying vision of that. And I'm not here to scare you this morning, but my vision is to reach outside of Dundalk that we have First Evangelical Lutheran Church of Gray Manor, and who knows, perhaps, we have two or three other locations that we're ministering to people. Because as you see, churches around us are closing. Perhaps one day God will use this church in an incredible way. And I can tell you one easy one that we can do with no money involved is a virtual campus. An opportunity for people to connect with our church, with one another, virtually online. That sounds crazy. I think of like the guys with the VR headsets. You know, that's how we're doing church. But no, I'm talking about confirmation, Bible study, uh, underground seminary, understanding some theology. Uh, a colleague of mine from seminary, he is the director of Fresh Expressions for North America. Fresh Expressions started in Europe, where the church population is like 2%, right? So there's these big, beautiful churches sitting empty. And the only reason why the lights are still on is the government pays for it. Let me tell you, the United States government doesn't care like that for us, right? Like, if our church was to be empty, they wouldn't care like that. But the point here is, is that Fresh Expression started as a way to live church outside the walls. So he's got like a hundred different types of churches, literally. There's a burrito shop church. They meet at the burrito shop every week. There's a yoga church. There's a church from the living room, which is now an online ministry. Uh, what's a month? church at the dog park? And all of these have little congregations. He has church at the tattoo shop. So now, like, he's like this, like, he, he kind of looking dude. And now he's got, now he doesn't look geeky at all. He's got tattoos all up his arms and all this. And he's ministering to these guys and girls at the tattoo shop. And if anybody feels called to that, let me know. That would be really cool. Uh, he has church everywhere. And they have grown and grown. And it's from a little country church in rural Florida. So I say that because we're not in a rural area, we're in a city. Think about the opportunity we have for ministry. I, I took a picture of our one of the confirmation pictures this week from 1991. Put it on Facebook. Now, of course, I had a reason to do that, right? I put tag your people that you know. I want them to know the church still exists. That's still here. So I'm going to do that every week. Tag the people you know in the picture. Let them know the church is still here. Let them see what we're doing. That's why I asked you this morning asked this morning about all things the things women ministry is doing. People need to know what we're doing for the body of Christ. Uh, I brought Ricky Lee to the playground yesterday. And there was this young dad there with like three kids. And I told him I'm from Florida. And he said, What? What in the world are you doing here? <laughs> so, I asked myself that every week. <laughs> so uh, and he says, I said, I'm a pastor, which I don't always say. that. I thought I needed to. said, I'm a pastor. He said, Oh, really? I said, Yeah, it's a Lutheran church there in the neighborhood. He said, Oh, first Lutheran great Manor? I said, Yeah. I don't know if he's ever stepped foot inside of this church, but he knows the church. Now, I honestly think some of it has to do with our early learning center. I think the kids in there over the years, the parents know the church, at least through the school. It is a mission field and an opportunity that we are missing out on. So what are we going to do about it? That's the big question for us this morning. What are we going to do? How are we hearing God's voice? in the midst of the ministry in which we find ourselves. Because I believe just as the Holy Spirit brought me here, he brought you here. And some people, especially in the first service, I don't know if it's true in this one, have been sitting in the same queue for 50 years. 50 years. The same church queue. God brought them here. God brought you here. So what is that reason? We need to figure it out. So we have believe it or not, a vision and mission statement. So Chuck, can you go to that slide for me? It's pretty long, all right? So you guys got this memorized? (laughs) Yeah, sure, right? Got it (laughs) memorized? Okay, first of all, a vision and mission statement is usually like one sentence. So we got to work on that. But in the meantime, we're going to work with what we got, okay? And this is where I pull faith, family, and future from. So that's how my mind thinks. So I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to process in your mind what this means about us as a church. First Evangelical Lutheran Church of Great Manor is a faith community of the Lutheran tradition serving the people of Dundalk, Maryland and its surrounding areas. So we know we're a Lutheran community. What in the world does that even mean for the outside world? Dundalk and its surrounding areas. Now, I'm not from here, so I know Dundalk. I'm starting to know some of the names, but I don't know all of them. Our church is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, grounded in 2000 year tradition of Christian faith and brought to the life by missions of love. So we got to figure all that out and if we're doing that, founded in 1942, our welcoming Christian family strives to spread the love of God and neighbor through our faith, words and deeds. So again, we got to ask ourselves, are we serving neighbor through our faith, words and deeds? And I can give you some examples of the ways We have done that since I've gotten here. We strive to keep the spirit and traditions of the ancient church alive in our modern world, living out the relevance of biblical teachings in our daily lives, ever heeding to the call to make disciples of all nations. Our focus is on nurturing the fruits of the spirit as we go forth ready to embrace our true purpose as servants of Christ. Join us. So, I'm a visitor to the church website. I'm probably not going to read that whole thing. Uh, But it tells us a basis of who we are. It tells us that we care about faith, words, and deeds. That we care about loving one another. Missions of love. So think through the years since 1942, some of the things that we have done to live out missions of love. What are some things that we are doing right now To keep the ancient church alive and well. 2,000 years of history. Right? It goes beyond just the creeds that we recite on Sunday morning. Because if the church wasn't here, the building was not here. And tragically, we lost it. How would we be fulfilling our mission from God? How does that look for us? So... Going back to that Psalms, uh, the Proverbs reading. Does our vision and mission from God make us happy? Does it make us happy? Are we excited when we come to church to live out this vision? Now again, we talk about faith, family, future. So the ancient church living that into our family life, right? Um the future of the church, bringing people up to know who Christ is, which brings us to point two this morning. We're going to equip the Samuels of our church. That's our family. So our first point was about faith. Now we're talking about family. And the text tells us this in verse three. First Samuel, chapter three, verse one. There we go. Now the boy, let's underline boy. Wish I was one of those... uh, hipster pastors with the board up here that can color on it and all that stuff for you now the boy Samuel was serving the Lord under Eli so we already have a dynamic here right the dynamic is that young boys and young ladies from the time they were young were trained in fields of service what they would be doing the rest of their lives so you know what that means My call at 16 to ministry was, I was old, basically, because back then, young men were separated from the world and called into ministry as young as 12 years old. Right? And the Lord's word was rare in that time, at that time. So you went from a time where the Lord God would speak directly to people to a time of silence. At least that was their perception. And visions weren't widely known. So the Lord was quiet and the Lord was silent and the visions weren't widely known. Now the question that I have to ask myself, was the Lord truly silent or were people just not listening to God? Oftentimes we just have to be quiet. You know, be still and know that he is God. So, again, I asked you at the beginning of this message, think of that time where God spoke to you. Now, I've shared on numerous occasions. One of the things I looked up very last night, I didn't tell Amanda, is when we were in high school, we went to the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Conference, like, every year. And I looked it up last night and said, you know, is there a renewal conference coming up? Because I just want to go. Like, because I heard the voice of God every time I went, now, don't worry, I'm not becoming Catholic. When I uh, was going through seminary, though, there was a Catholic seminary in, uh, what was that? I forget the name of it. Boynton Beach, Florida. It was, it was near. And every week, at least twice a week, I would drive down to the Catholic seminary. If I had time, and I would have lunch with these Catholic priests and deacons. And then we would go to mass together. And oftentimes they would be in Spanish as well, so I didn't understand everything that was going on but I would sit there and listen to the words. I would see the Mass. And then I would go to the seminary uh, library because one of the priests gave me the Wi-Fi password. And I would study the Scripture. It was the only theological library in the area. But the point here was, is that I needed that time apart to hear God's voice. And that's really hard right now, isn't it? Because Because of COVID, we're kind of stuck in our homes. And let me tell you, with two young kids at the house, there's not a lot of quiet at home, at all, (laughs) ever. And as soon as you want to have quiet time, it just doesn't happen. Um, It's okay. We're working on it. I I pray that this vaccine works so we can have some quiet time. I love going out to the camp or going somewhere and just hearing God my home pastor would go to Brazil, or not Brazil, Belize like once a month sometimes. And I would call him and I said, Pastor Wayne, where are you at? He says, I'm on a cliff in Belize. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm here to just listen to God. Listen to what he has to say. Because we have to be open no matter how crazy or strange or different that vision may be. So second, this morning, is we have to equip the Samuels in our churches. So again, Eli, Samuel was training under Eli. And the Lord came to Samuel in a dream, right? And he didn't know what to believe, what was being said. And it says that the Lord went to him three times. And finally, what does Samuel say? He says, I'm the servant, right? I'm the servant. Tell me what you want me to say. And so Eli wakes up, you know, they all wake up out of bed. And Eli says to young Samuel, Well, what did what did the God what did God say to you? Now I told you last Sunday there's two very difficult jobs in the church. One is to be a prophet, and the other one is to be a, uh, an apostle. And to be a prophet usually ends in death, or being stoned out of town, like rocks being thrown at you, anything they can find, because you're speaking a prophetic word. And, he, and Samuel tells Eli, well, Eli, your family's been blaspheming God. You will be punished. And what does... Eli respond with. What does Eli respond with? Let me find it here. i did write it down. He says, So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. So, essentially, God is God and I am not. God is God, and I am not. If God is going to punish me and my family because we are blasphemed against the Holy Spirit, then that is God's will. That is God's way. So we have to ask ourselves, what is blasphemy? What is blasphemy? Now, I always understood blasphemy as denying Jesus into my life. That's blasphemy, right? But blasphemy is also pretending as though we are God. It's making ourselves to be God and Him not. And Jesus tells us this in the Scripture this morning, in Mark chapter 3, verse 22. I'm going to just read 28 and 29. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they offer. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. Now this is difficult stuff here. So, you know, as a Lutheran pastor, i got to do two things. i got to preach law and gospel. It's part of the catechism. So we have the law this morning that God gives us, right? That God tells us that we will be held accountable for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So when you think of the world around us, how many people do you know that make themselves out to be God. They think they're in control. they think they have the power to whatever it is. The highest ranking government officials do not have power over God. It's that simple this morning. We have to equip our young people, especially our Samuels and that that's not just age people. That's if a 90-year-old comes to Jesus for the first time, because when they go out into the world, it's a rough and difficult place to be a Christian. People will attack you, because when we accept Jesus into our life, we deny the flesh. That's what we want. We deny the world, and we deny Satan. And to believe that just because we're a Christian, that we're protected from those things, is ridiculous. ridiculous. Because we know in Paul's writings that when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, that we will be persecuted. We will be persecuted. So we have to decide, how much are we truly in this this morning? Are we willing to sacrifice for Christ? Are we willing to be persecuted and ridiculed and shamed for our belief? Now, this is where this brings in the church. We as the church have to build each other up. That's what Eli was doing. He was equipping young Samuel. So the church is a place for a unified front for Jesus that we, in our mission statement, treat each other with love and care. And we we take our children And our children are so excited to be in church because of their church aunts and uncles and grandparents that are raising them up because I truly believe that baptismal covenant that we all make with every baptism, that we will support each other all the days of our life in the faith, that it truly is the people of God bringing up this child. We have to respond to God's word we have to allow people's voices to be heard. Which brings us to our next point here. We have to send the Samuels of our church. We have to send the Samuels of our church. Okay? Now, some Samuels that are brought up in the church grow up to be leaders within the church community. Maybe some of that, some of those people are you. That grew up, that was baptized, confirmed, uh, married, all of those things in this church. This is your family. You are the young Samuel that has grown up and have now graduated to where Eli was, raising up the next generation of leaders. Maybe that's you. Maybe it is affirming that God has called certain people in this congregation to go out and make disciples. That some people in this congregation are called into vocational ministry. And I don't care what size church you are, there are people that are called from within this church. I remember one church I served, and it was a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere with like 20 people on Sunday. And they had five or six people that had left that church and have become pastors. Right? I mean, 15 and 20 on Sunday, nothing special. But God used them. God equipped them. And they truly live in that vision statement that right now we have. That we will support the Lord through our, our time, talents, treasure. That we'll support the Lord in our works and deeds. Because we are saved. We have to understand and figure out who those young Samuels are in our context today. Martin Luther tells us this. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Church is not about feeling good. I mean, I want to leave church feeling uplifted and happy, right? But there's a cost. There is a need to to be connected to your faith community. That we hold each other up and we hold each other accountable, that we build each other up based on the Word of God and the Word of God alone. So, we have to trust the voice of God. So this is what I want you all to do. I have on the bulletin my cell phone number and email. I feel as though we as a people have to voice where we see God is leading the church. I want prayer without ceasing of where is God calling you and this church to go. So call me, leave me a voicemail if I don't answer, text, email me. Uh, At some point, I'm going to put a vision board somewhere in the hallway with some postcards. And to see where the people of God, that's you all, feel that the Lord is leading this congregation into the future. And I don't care how crazy, how radical, how different, I want to hear it. Because the Lord does speak to his people. It's very clear from Genesis to Revelation that God talks to us. That God uses us. And that God has a unique relationship with his people, his church. So let's move forward here at First Lutheran Church as people that hear and respond to the voice of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us hear your voice. Help us respond to your voice. For your ministry, your call, and your vision for First Lutheran Church of Great Manor. Help us, God be the church that is led by your holy spirit. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.